0: before we begin a quick note that the information in this podcast is general in nature does not take into consideration your personal circumstances situation or needs so shani tomorrow's a big day because i am making you pork nachos again
1: i'm really excited about this i mean we run competitions all the time for free premium memberships but i think that this could get the people in because these pork nachos are incredible
0: so you you want to invite other people (laughs) over to your place to have these (laughs) no it's all for me okay okay and my husband but he
1: can only have a little bit it's
0: it's 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 been a while
1: (laughs) it has been a while how long has it been like a year Year something like
0: that something like that i've been
1: dreaming since then to have these pork nachos again
0: well that's good well that that should be exciting um yeah anything else exciting going on
1: uh, I mean, Thanksgiving is in a couple of weeks. Are you ready?
0: I, I'm not ready. But, okay. uh, but yeah, we'll see how we go. I mean, it's a pretty, it's a pretty steady menu.
1: Mm, I mean, I always bring the salads because I'm petrified of making anything remotely American and getting judged for it. So I just <laughs> make salads.
0: Well, maybe you should step your game up.
1: Yeah, maybe. Maybe I should take a risk.
0: Exactly. Exactly. All right. Today, we're going to talk about ETFs and Bitcoin.
1: Mm-hmm. Really appealing to the crowds here, mate.
0: I know. Exactly. You think talking about these in the same episode will make the podcast platform sort of explode?
1: Yeah. Like yeah. Break the internet. It exactly. wasn't Kim Kardashian. It was Michael Monica and Shani Jai-Mana, You know
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing is Will will obviously be very interested in this. He doesn't know what we're going to say yet about Bitcoin. So he's, he's ready to, to argue with us. But
1: he just redacts everything in like post production, just cuts us off. Exactly. Of
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we're talking about this because there's been a lot of movement lately on Bitcoin ETFs. So I think this is pretty timely. And we'll explain all those details in a second. But first, why don't we, uh, we'll explain all the details about the ETFs in a second. But why don't you take a step back and sort of talk about the situation, and why we're doing this episode now?
1: Yeah, so um, let's divide this up into two categories. The first category consists of thematic ETFs that are looking at Bitcoin-related companies that have no direct exposure to crypto coins, and then a second category of ETFs that do have exposure to crypto prices.
0: Okay, so why don't we start with the first category of ETFs. So what's happening, Shani?
1: Yeah, so um, we recently had our first Bitcoin mining and infrastructure ETF that was launched and another one, which is about to be launched. And the ETF that was launched is the Cosmos Global Digital Miners Access ETF with the ticker symbol DIGA, and BetaShares is about to launch a new ETF, which is the Crypto Innovators ETF with the ticker symbol CRYP.
0: Yeah, the funny thing about BetaShares, right? They have never met a thematic ETF that they don't love. And do you remember? <laughs> Good we, way of putting it. Yeah, we were at that uh, we were at that conference, and they were in a booth next to ours and they had a big banner up with all these thematic ETFs while we were on a podcast talking about how we don't how like- How
1: awful thematic ETFs. That was, that was the episode that we released when that conference was on. So.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. It was, uh, yeah, it was great. But anyway, before we get into these ETFs, let's talk about the other thing that's happening with Bitcoin-linked ETFs. So in the US, we recently had the launch of two Bitcoin-linked ETFs, There's the ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF with the ticker symbol BITO, and the Valkyrie Bitcoin Strategy ETF with the ticker symbol BTF. And the ProShares product debuted on the 18th of October, and it set a single-day record for new assets with close to a billion dollars going into it.
1: And it looks like the same thing is about to happen in Australia. On the 28th of October, ASIC basically gave the green light to crypto ETFs and three different ETF providers. VanEck, BetaShares, and Cosmos are rumored to have products in the pipeline that they're racing to get out to the market.
0: Yeah. So today we're going to take a step back and try and look at these objectively so we can break through the hype, which is sure to increase as these products hit the market. And we just need to remember as investors that FOMO, the fear of missing out, it may be a recent acronym, but when it comes to investing, it's just a new way to say greed. And that's contributed to poor investing outcomes for centuries now.
1: So let's start with these crypto thematic investments and take a look at this Cosmos product and the soon-to-be-launched BetaShares ETF. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the Cosmos product?
0: Okay, so DIGA, remember, is the ticker, and it aims to track the Global Digital Miners Access Index, which is comprised of global companies with a primary business focus on digital asset mining and infrastructure. So the Global Digital Miners Access Index isn't exactly the S&P 500, (laughs) but with any ETF that tracks an index, we need to take a look at the index to see what we're actually investing in. So there's a couple criteria for inclusion in this index. company needs to be conducting a business focused on blockchain technology, digital asset mining, multi-type business and personal systems, and involved in the infrastructure of digital asset mining. And companies must generate at least 80% of their revenue from these activities and have a market capitalization of at least $100 million.
1: And before getting into the companies, so we can figure out what any of that means, let's look at a couple more nuances of the index that will impact investors. First, we can look at how many companies are included in the index. Right now, there are 10 holdings. 10. Yeah, 10. And the index construction does use market capitalization to weight the holdings in the index. But because there's only 10 securities, there are a couple of rules. So the largest holding is limited to 15% of the index, and it's rebalanced on a monthly basis to keep holdings from deviating too far from the index.
0: And we've talked about this before, but this has some real implications for investors, and they're all bad. (laughs) So every time a rebalance occurs, you are selling off the top holdings and investing it in the holdings that make up less of the ETF. So in up markets, you are generating capital gains every time that occurs. And those capital gains, of course, are passed to investors who have to pay taxes on them. When you have 10 securities that are very volatile and markets are going up and you do this on a monthly basis, it is a really bad outcome for investors.
1: Along with getting to pay taxes on capital gains distributions, you also get to pay 0.9% a year in fees. But let's look at some of the holdings. When we look at the portfolio, we see that as of the 29th of October, the top holding is Galaxy Digital Holdings Limited with over 21% of the portfolio, and it's followed by Marathon Digital Holdings at close to 14%, and then Riot Blockchain with 13% of the portfolio. Since these are not well-known companies, let's explore them a little bit and see how they fit into the thematic.
0: Okay, well, Galaxy Digital is a Canadian company, and it's basically a full-service investment bank and investment manager that is dedicated to cryptocurrency. So they do everything from funding crypto-related companies at the venture capital stage to taking them public through their investment bank to invest in crypto and investment funds and then financing crypto miners. So it's sort of like a crypto bank.
1: Yeah, so it's pretty safe to say that the company is pretty involved in the crypto industry.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. And our analysts don't cover it, but I did a brief read through of the annual report and the company clearly outlines in the risk section that they are exposed to the price of cryptocurrencies and that changes in the price or the rate of adoption would adversely impact the company.
1: And that's a good thing because you're buying this ETF because you think crypto will go up. One note about the company that we noticed was the fact that it is 70% controlled by a single person who is a founder, and that's pretty unusual for a listed company.
0: Okay, let's go through a couple other companies quickly. So there's Marathon Digital Holdings, the second largest position, and that's a Bitcoin miner. Still hasn't turned a profit. We have Riot Bitcoin, also a Bitcoin miner, and just turned profitable in the last 12 months.
1: And we could go on, and there are only 10 companies, but you get the point. Lots of Bitcoin miners and a couple of manufacturers of digital blockchain computing equipment that is sold to Bitcoin miners. All of these companies will be influenced by the price of Bitcoin, but it isn't a perfect relationship. As a miner, the price of Bitcoin is important, but also the cost to acquiring coins. This is driven up by energy costs.
0: And the other problem you run into is that all of these companies in this ETF, or most of these companies, are competing against each other. So, if eight of the 10 are miners, there's the very real possibility that some of those miners will do very well and some will fail. So, holding an ETF with 10 shares where some of them go out of business is not exactly a great way to get good returns. One of the points of investing in an index is an acknowledgement that it's hard to pick the ultimate winners. So, instead, you should just own the whole market. That argument goes out the window when the index, and I'll use that term loosely, only has 10 holdings in it.
1: So, ultimately, there are problems with this approach if you are a true believer in Bitcoin. The index may be correlated with the price and uptake of Bitcoin, but that correlation is far from perfect. If you are looking at a more perfect correlation, then perhaps we need to look at other Bitcoin ETFs.
0: So, we've heard an ETF, as you said earlier, Shawnee. So, we, we heard an ETF will be launched soon in Australia. We can take a look at the ETFs that were recently rolled out in the US as an indication of what we're going to get. So, unlike the ETFs that hold companies that are related to Bitcoin, The ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF with the ticker symbol BITO is a little bit different. Let's quote what they say on their website. They say it is the first U.S. Bitcoin-linked ETF, offering investors an opportunity to gain exposure to Bitcoin returns in a convenient, liquid, and transparent way. The fund seeks to provide capital appreciation primarily through managed exposure to Bitcoin futures contracts. So the question, of course, is what does that mean?
1: Well, this sounds like a technicality. The ETF is not investing directly in Bitcoin, but instead investing in Bitcoin futures. But before we get into that, let's think about what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is a decentralized digital currency that you can buy, sell and exchange directly without an intermediary. One reason it was started was because there was a lack of trust in central banks and because it was going to free people of the fees and other impediments to transferring and moving money.
0: Yeah, so the central idea behind this that Will would probably agree with is Bitcoin is supposed to be a better currency. And a currency is simply an exchange of values. You get paid a salary in currency to compensate you for your labor, and you take that and you use it as a means of exchange for other people's labors when you get goods and services. So a pretty simple concept. So there's an irony that the ETF is giving us exposure to Bitcoin through an intermediary. The expense ratio on this U.S. ETF is 0.95% a year. Now, I wouldn't pay 0.95% a year to get access to an ETF tracking any other currency. When I store my other currencies, I don't pay money to do it. In fact, I expect someone to pay me to keep them in the bank.
1: And as Mark said, that's because these currencies are stored digitally and because a bank and the government guarantees they will be safe. So Bitcoin is also a digital currency. It isn't like it is an ETF that tracks gold, where the alternative is that you pile up a bunch of gold in your apartment. Something physical like that is hard to store. So maybe you want to purchase an ETF and the fee makes sense to pay.
0: And in a normal ETF, the advantage you are getting is that you get exposure to lots of different shares. For instance, once i purchased a share, it doesn't cost me anything to store. So I wouldn't buy an ETF that held one share and then pay an annual fee every year for that ETF. But I would buy an ETF to buy 500 shares because I don't want to pay those transaction fees. In that case, the fee wouldn't be worth it.
1: So on the surface, the notion of going out and buying an ETF with close to a 1% annual fee that has exposure to one asset, that is a currency, and can be stored for free is a bit ridiculous. And buying Bitcoin is easy. You're paying a lot to not go through a pretty simple process. But there is one thing that is a pain about Bitcoin, and that is the fact there is a risk in holding it. You can forget your password and somebody can steal it from you. So some people are uncomfortable holding it. So an ETF is an easier solution. And it is estimated that 20% of Bitcoin is lost or inaccessible. So this is a pretty real fear.
0: So an ETF offers the ability for an investor to get access to the price changes in Bitcoin without worrying about losing or having your Bitcoin stolen. And paying 0.95% a year is a lot, but I guess it may be worth it because it does provide safety. But we need to revisit this notion about Bitcoin futures. This ETF does not, in fact, invest in Bitcoin. And the reason the ETF doesn't buy Bitcoin is the same reason that many of the investors in the ETF don't buy Bitcoin. Who do they trust to hold the Bitcoin? After all, if the ETF held the Bitcoin, somebody would have to have the password to the Bitcoin wallet And this person would have to be trusted not to run off with it. So futures are held instead. So what are futures, Shani?
1: Well, a future is a derivative, and a derivative is simply a financial instrument that derives its value from something else. In the case of Bitcoin futures, it derives its value from the price of Bitcoin. A futures contract is an obligation between two parties to transact at an agreed price on an agreed upon date. Futures can be used for both hedging and speculation. In this case, they're used for speculation.
0: Morningstar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four-week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our top picks across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a share-side investor plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSite's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today. Okay, let's first talk about how a futures contract would be used for hedging, because I think it will help people understand it. Let's say I've got a tanker full of oil that I'm shipping from the Middle East to Australia. And it's going to take me three months to sail there, after which I unload it and sell it for whatever oil is worth at the time, because oil is a commodity. But oil prices fluctuate, and I don't want to take the risk that it will fall in price. So I can get a futures contract where I lock in the price through this contract. Now, this is hedging because I own the physical asset that the futures contract is for. I have a contract to deliver a tanker full of oil at a specified time at a specified price. But I also have a tanker full of oil. If I didn't have any oil, this is speculation. In that case, I would have to go out and buy oil to fulfill the contract to deliver it. Now, in the real world, I could pay the equivalent to close out the contract. But either way, I've now speculated on the oil price.
1: In the case of Bitcoin futures ETF, that asset is Bitcoin. Now, strangely enough, Bitcoin futures are actually cash settled and not asset settled. That is because Bitcoin really hasn't been completely adopted by the financial industry. The date that Bitcoin futures contracts settle is usually the last Friday of each month, and the price will vary, but it is based on the Bitcoin Reference Rate, or BRR, which averages Bitcoin spot prices from five major Bitcoin exchanges, Bitstamp, Coinbase, Gemini, ItBit, and Kraken.
0: What is with Kraken, by the way? I
1: don't know, it reminds me of rum.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even like where did the rum come from, they just know. came up with, they just came up with, anyway, <laughs> cracking aside, let's get back to Bitcoin futures contracts. So like all futures contracts, they expire. So Bitcoin's futures ETFs will regularly sell the contracts they own and buy new ones. And this process is commonly referred to as rolling. The costs or benefits of rolling futures contracts depends on the differences between the prices. When subsequent months' contracts are trading at prices higher than the current months' contract, the future curve is upward sloping. This is a state called contango.
1: We're obviously getting a bit technical here, but don't get thrown off by the language. Just know that Bitcoin ETFs are constantly buying Bitcoin futures contracts and then closing out the contract as they're about to expire and then buying more. They'll keep doing this as long as the ETF exists, and that price of the contract matters. When the futures curve is in contango or upward sloping, futures-based strategies are forced to sell relatively low-priced contracts and purchase high-priced ones. At the risk of stating the obvious, selling low and buying high is not a successful investment strategy.
0: Yeah, and conversely, when subsequent months futures contracts trade below the current month's contract, the curve slopes downward a state known as backwardation. So backwardated futures markets can give future strategies a bit of a boost because in this case, you're selling high and buying low. So we have contango and backwardation, and you really can't make this stuff up. And it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds like a disease you would get on spring break, right? Like, stay away from that guy. Schoolies. Yeah, I hear he got contango. So got contango and schoolies, right?
1: Yeah, right. So if contango is bad and backwardation is good, we need to look at futures contracts for Bitcoin and see where we stand. Let's use the end of October as an example. On October 22nd, the Bitcoin futures curve was in contango or upward sloping. The October contract closed at a price of $61,080, while the November contract closed at $61,680. Based on these prices, the implied annualized cost of rolling from one month to the next, also known as the roll yield, will be around 11.8%.
0: The cost of regularly rolling into higher price contracts will compound over time. As a result, if the futures market is typically in contango, investors who own futures contracts will experience much lower returns than those that own the asset directly. And so far, this has been the case with Bitcoin. Since Bitcoin futures were launched in December 2017, the futures curve has been in contango most of the time. As a result, the Horizons Bitcoin Front Month Rolling Futures Index Cumulatively un- underperformed. That was a mouthful, right? Yeah,
1: but, it's well done. Yeah.
0: But that Horizons Index, maybe I should have just said Horizons yeah. Index, <laughs> that Horizons Index has cumulatively underperformed the price of Bitcoin by 93% from December 15th, 2017 through October 21st, 2021. And that, of course, is not a good outcome for investors.
1: No. And there are concerns that this problem will get worse with the arrival of Bitcoin ETFs. Continual greater demand for futures contracts is likely to make this price difference worse as more ETFs come on the market and the existing ETFs gather more assets. In the very short term, since a new ETF hit the market, we're already seeing this play out.
0: And there's another problem with this approach of buying futures contracts instead of Bitcoin. There happens to be a limit on the number of futures contracts with a single delivery date that any entity can hold. There's the very real possibility that as these ETFs gather more assets, they will hit that limit which means they'll have to buy futures contracts further out in the future. This increased demand will make the problem of Contango worse as prices are driven up. If they run out of contracts to buy, they conceivably will have to stop issuing more ETF shares. The problem with this is that issuing more shares when there is greater investor demand and then removing shares when there is less investor demand is the mechanism in place with ETFs to make sure the price and the value of the assets owned by the ETF stay in line. And much like a lick, this would create a situation where there could be large discounts or premiums that would cause an even bigger difference between the returns of Bitcoin and the returns of the ETF.
1: So what is the bottom line here? If you believe that the price of Bitcoin will continue to appreciate, you should buy the actual Bitcoin and make sure you keep your wallet password safe. The returns on ETFs that hold companies that are related to digital currency are fraught with factors that may cause a significant deviation from the price of Bitcoin. And owning one of the new Bitcoin ETFs that rely on futures contracts to get exposure to Bitcoin price movements is far from perfect and comes with a high cost for holding what is supposed to be a currency.
0: And the irony is that these ETFs fly in the face of the future imagined by Bitcoin adherents. Paying an annual fee is absurd if you think the future for Bitcoin is going to be driven by greater adoption as an actual currency which facilitates transactions. You think Bitcoin is simply a speculative bet? and you only want to own it because you think it will go up in price and has no fundamental redeeming qualities, then you would be wise to go and look at what happens to other ultimately worthless speculations throughout history. If you believe Bitcoin is a better currency and will change finance for the better, then just go buy Bitcoin. If you essentially think that Bitcoin is the next beanie baby and you think you can get out before everyone else, then I guess you can go take a pun on the ETF. So thanks for joining today. That is our Bitcoin ETF episode. How many times did we say contango today?
1: I think quite a few.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, But anyway, thank you guys for joining. We would love it if you would share this episode with your friends. You would give us a rating or comment, and we'll think about a nacho, a pork nacho competition, or
1: (laughs) meet and greet with Mark and some pork nachos.
0: Exactly, exactly. It takes like eight hours to cook, so be prepared for a long day. But anyway, thank you guys very much for joining.